I'm a hot rod man. Yeah, I'm a hot rod man. Look out, little mama, gonna get you if I can. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Idle Chatter. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the Hot Rod Farmer, and that is Tex Rubinowitz, the Hot Rod Man from Ripsaw Records. So that's our new, quasi-new, I introduced it last week. Now, what I do want to tell you before I say do get anything into the show today is that if you hear some kind of unusual noise in the background, now I could hear it in my headset because in the headset it picks up everything and if somebody listens with earbuds they may hear it and this Rode microphone is very good and uh, I've been jerking around and that is the real word jerking around the past 15 or 20 minutes because every time I talk I could hear this noise in my headset I said oh my god what's going on here so I I rechecked the microphone I disconnected the microphone I disconnected the cable I put the cable back on, I put the soundboard back on and off, I did, made recordings and listened to it, and then the way the soundboard is set up is that what I'm going to basically do is I'm going to stop talking, I'm going to intentionally give you dead air, okay, and I don't know if you're able to hear that noise or not, but the way it wo- the way it works, I forgot what, I think they call it ducking, is that when the host's host talks, then it actually, I'm not going to say it It turns on, It re, it's recording the whole time, but it, it dubs out everything else. So if I stop talking like this, you don't hear this noise. And whenever I start to talk, I hear it in my headset. So I'm saying, what's going on here? Is there a problem with it? Is it an electrical signal? Is it whatever? I'm out of over, overthinking it. And uh, then my wife came down because she was going to town and thank god that i didn't start to record so um and i told her i'm having an issue i got some kind of funny noise in here i can't make out what it is and uh well she says it sounds like a cricket (laughs) well it's some kind of crazy type of i'm saying crazy god made it sound crazy unusual cricket right that i have so if you hear that it's an un- it's a it's a noise in the background he's not very very loud but he's there and over the years of doing the show usually at this time of year the cats bring carry crickets into the house so what happens is that but they're usually a little but they're usually more chirpy this guy's like a vibrating like a like a pitch for like a pitch a tuning for just vibrates at the same sound all the time so i want to apologize ahead of time if you hear this cricket i put all the lights on i did everything to try to to <laughs> tell him it's not time to do this buddy so it is uh, i got a cricket in here so that basically is that let me see do i hear a cat meowing g-i-n-g-e-r is down here so it's a uh, it's uh, all starting off uh, like a typical idle chatter right uh, all over the place but i hopefully god willing everything is going well for you in your life and in your operation and uh and things are rolling along smoothly and as i always like to say if they're not rolling along smoothly then it is uh tomorrow will be a better day right you have to have the good days and everybody likes the good days no one likes the challenging days i'm not going to say bad days because they're really not bad and based upon what could really happen in life so uh, and thank god that you're if you're alive and you're healthy and your family is alive and healthy then the little the mouse in the house at night right i mean the 
any little problem that comes up when it is, it may not be little, but it's not, it's not, it just becomes magnified like this cricket through this microphone, excuse me, and through my headset. But uh, this is the last idle chatter. Well, you probably say, oh, thank God he's going off the air. It'll be the last full length idle chatter, uh, probably until October, I think October 4th. And I'll explain to you why. I'm going to be doing uh, the next few weeks after this, um, next three shows. I think I have my list here. It should be three uh, three shows after this. I'm going to be doing an abbreviated idle chat. Do I hear the cheers? Oh, my God. The people, thank God. It's going to be a short show. But I'm going to do an abbreviated idle chatter with a different focus of it for the simple reason being is that we're in harvest and my uh art director and person who does uh posts all the podcasts and the radio well not the radio show she posts the radio shows a podcast is going away on vacation with her husband and uh and she's going to be away for just shy of three weeks and the way the three weeks lands that um it's she's i'm not gonna be able to post a show with her until october 4th i believe it is so now, this has happened in the past where she has gone away. Her and her husband travel quite a bit. Uh, they're globe trotters and they travel, they're going, uh, I don't know where they're going. Well, anyway, but it's someplace overseas. But in the past, what I have done is I knew that, I knew this also, and then I would pull my shows ahead and she would schedule them. So then while she was away, there was no uh, break and there was no pause in me posting my shows but i could not do that this year because we were involved with harvest so i could not pull all five shows ahead um for being away almost four weeks and then the current shows at harvest and also as time went on i put more on my plate which i'm not complaining about because i put it on my plate no one else put it on my plate for me right that's like if you uh you, you know you go 90 miles an hour on a, on an icy road and you slid off into the ditch where you put yourself in a ditch you know nothing put you in a ditch but you so i put more on my plate with the um with the other shows that i do so it was in and with harvest going it was impossible for me to pull all those ahead so but I want to uh, produce a something, some content during the next few weeks, and I'm going to do very, very short idle chatter shows. I'm going to call them harvest shows, and uh, it's not going to be deep in the woods. It's not going to be whatever. It'll probably be five, well, I'm going to say five or ten minutes, and uh, it'll probably be uh, hopefully not longer than that, right, because that's that's what ends up happening. So, I want to apologize now. Apologize, and so they'll post every Wednesday as normal, and uh, and I want to apologize to you, and I want to. But most importantly, I want to thank you for listening, and uh, I want to thank you for that, and uh, and for putting up with this. And you know, I do not take any of you lightly. I, I sincerely, I mean, you're spending your time with me. I know I, um, a lot of people reach out to me and they, they look forward to it. Oh, every Wednesday you're in, you're in my ear and I listen to you. And, and that, that sincerely means the world to me. And I feel that I have an obligation to produce something, but I have an obligation to produce something that bring, that's of some quality, right? Not, uh, 
not just Mickey Mouse, as they'd say, or, or another word I could use. And uh, that's always is my goal to try to give you a quality show. And I am a realist. I know that lots of times that does not happen. But uh, that was how I was in school, like an A for effort and a D for a grade. I could never figure it out. I said, how can I get an A for effort and a D for a grade, right? So, uh, but that's been my life story. So the next few weeks, there will be a, uh, a different type of idle chatter shorter, basically. Let's call it uh, having a co- cup of coffee conversation, all right? Uh, and so we'll so I'll do that, and I would appreciate if you do if you do listen, and if you don't listen, I certainly understand. And then I invite you to please come back in October when it's the regular idle chatter. And I do not know whether I'm going to be doing a hot rod farmer minute during that time. Probably not. Uh, so you may say to yourself, "Well, how are you going? How are you going to do the abbreviated ones of Sue's away?" Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to be able to pull ahead the abbreviated ones because they're not hour and a half shows hour and 20 minute shows so i'll be able to pull those ahead and give them to her so um this way you know you this full disclosure and there's no uh nothing uh, done on the hand that are behind the scenes so that is uh, and that's hey that's what i am i am what i am right And some people tell me, I tell my audience too much. I tell people too much. Well, that's how God made me. Uh, And that's that's just how I am. So that is it. But you guys are my family, and I'm appreciative of you, and I'm not going to mislead us or misrepresent something to anyone, family or not family, but specifically to my family. So that is that. uh, So we will see. We'll, we'll We'll be having conversation but what i want to talk about today i'm going to start with a story right oh that's what's new right what's new hot rod you always start with a story and uh i'll give you uh, i'll try to be succinct and i will give so and i feel it it has a certain level of importance for it to make sense because if i were to fast forward into the other aspect of it that uh it's about denny's Right, so if I fast forward right into Denny's, then it would kind of make no sense. I mean, you'd have a lot of holes in it, you say, and your mind would probably go, well, what is he talking about Denny's restaurants? I don't even know they still in business. I think they still are, but maybe they're out of business. I, I honestly don't know anymore what's in business or what's out of business. We just found out that uh, in Hackettstown here, the Rite Aid, I think it's Rite Aid, yeah, the Rite Aid is, uh, I guess, the, all of Rite Aids are going out of being sued or something. I don't know. So who knows? It's a different world than, than I grew up in, certainly a different world than was even just 10 years ago. So if I could hear my cricket, I don't know if you hear him. So he's uh, he's having a good time. So God bless him, that guy. So uh, he's here to stay. But what had happened was that many years ago when I uh, had my shop, I got involved with Axel Digital Fuel Injection, and they had a program, meaning a program, a, a uh, it is a program. They had a, they had a, a marketing group. That's not really a proper way said. They had let's call it a thing, right? That's really, <laughs> they had a thing. They had they they had a, a dealership network. That's what I'm looking for. The dealership network called an Axel Emic or EMIC, E-M-I-C. It was the beginnings of the acronyms, right? And it was, and they had these EMICs, and what was called was an engine management installation center. And 
to go one step further backwards, that was in, well, 30 years ago, in the early 90s. And uh, what had happened was that there was, a, there was two brothers in Michigan, the Meany brothers, John and Joe Meany, and there was other Meany brothers, but I never met them, so I don't think they were in the automobile industry. Then they were from the Chicago area. They grew up near there. And uh, they both became mechanical engineers, and I believe they both worked for Bosch. And uh, they moved to Michigan and, and worked for Bosch. And then what had happened was that that was just when uh, a lot of people were taking the General Motors tune port injection system and trying to put it on hot rods and street rods and drag race cars because there was the the false mindset. Well, it wasn't well. It didn't seem false at that time, but proved to be false mindset that it was better to have fuel injection than a carburetor. And then, so what had happened was that the people would get these junkyard uh, tune port injection systems because tune port came out for 1985. So about by this time, by 89, 90, you were able to find some junkyard ones and probably even before that, a wrecked Corvette or a Firebird or Camaro, which in GM parlance, that would be called an F-body. All right, and the Corvette is a Y-body, I believe. And they would uh, put them on, this guy would have this... Uh, either drag race car or hot rod or street rod and it was it was supposed to be the cat's meow back then and they would put a the junkyard tune port on it and they would have a lot of well a lot of problems on what we call in the industry drivability problems and when you say the word drivability that means it just doesn't work right all right it may stall it may surge it may not idle well it could uh, have a hesitation so it's the way it, it drives and drivability does not just have to do with fuel injection it could be with any with any engine you could have a diesel engine that has poor drivability so in essence it's the it's it does not as it says drive nicely so let's say if you had a uh, a farm tractor and then uh Every time you put it under a load, it would hesitate and buck and, and, then, and pull clean. Well, you say that's a drivability, that's a drivability issue. So what had happened is that uh, it was recognized that the, uh, the, the calibration, the ECU, the, the, well, the calibration in the ECU, which they used a PROM back then, programmable read-only memory that popped in and out, was a hundred percent wrong for a modified engine and it, there was no practical way for you to change that calibration so it'd be like saying well you the ecu being a cassette recorder we're going back in that cd then have those back then cassette recorder and then the calibration is the cassette tape so in in essence whatever tape cassette tape you put in there that's the music that came out it could if you put classical music it was classical music if it was country music it was country music all right so what happened was that the gmecu with the prom in it the calibration in it was playing whatever classical music and they were putting this on an engine that liked rock and roll so it did not work too well so somehow john and joe meany but specifically john got uh found found another gentleman who was a software engineer and uh i'm P I, I know 95 percent of the story there's holes in my story but this is the as my father would say right church wrong pew that's what my father used to say because he was alive then and uh 
and they got involved and what they did was they made their own ecu engine control unit excuse me they used to call them ecms or ecus back then engine control uh a module so whatever they made their own ecu it was patterned off of a gm ecu but it was very very i guess for lack of better terms and for this podcast decontented and then what they did do is through this guy this other gentleman his name is perry and uh his last name was paelli perry paelli and uh, he developed somehow the ability and i don't i know he i knew, i know his educational background i mean i know what he was what he was where he went to school i don't know and i don't know where he came from as far as uh the industry is concerned but just remember this is back in the 80s late 80s so there really wasn't even an internet back then i think there was i think it was called uh uh i forgot what the heck it was called but anyway uh so not tribology it was called something like that but anyway so i've got to some almost sound spooky the name uh but anyway uh and he developed the ability to do with through through john and joe meanie's prompting specifically probably more john than joe to make on the fly calibration changes because prior to that uh you would have to take the prom out of the ecm put it in a prom reader have some sort of computer software to go and then and then get into the get into the get into the program the calibration and change the numbers reburn it they call it burn reburn it to the prom put the prom in the engine i mean in the in the ecm and then the other was on the dyno or whatever it was a very arduous process and there was a lot going on so so basically in essence just like i work with my art director sue moore is that i i come up with the idea the con- the concept conceptually but i cannot draw it sue could draw it so just like the hot rod track that i have as my logo which actually duck uh duck designs did that believe it or not in croatia but um i think that's where he's from uh so if you ever look him up with duck d-u-c designs i think a duck artwork or something he's got all like um hot rodded uh what they call cartooned out he had more hot rod stuff he has cartooned out uh, pictures of cars that he does but anyway so he did a farm tractor <clears throat> and he happened to have that one which was based on a massey ferguson i just had him alter it a little bit but anyway get back online so john meany had a camaro 69 camaro and uh he had a tune poured on it and i think it was a pretty big small block maybe like a 406 or 383 i don't remember but anyway and it didn't run right and he had a lot of issues with it so he felt that if he could get inside and change the calibration so that's how the impetus for it all came about but as i was saying prior to that so this was actually revolutionary so what digital fuel injection did was revolutionary as far as being able to you could have they had a software called calmap and you could plug into the ecu and then and then they uh you could uh, just live you could change the idle speed the fuel curve the timing what have you all right and you just press you just you put the numbers in press enter is right in there no so it was a real and it was a real breakthrough as far as engine calibration was concerned in the aftermarket and perry paelli 
actually patented that. So if you, a lot of people thought that John Meany held the patent to it, but when you went to the offices in Wicks and Michigan, Digital Fuel Injection it was called, uh, you'd see the patent on the wall and it was assigned to Perry Paelli. But anyway, so what had happened was that they started these engine management installation centers and I had my shop at the time. I, I My shop was only a couple of years old and my background from Allen Test Products was fuel-injected engines and stuff like that, engine management. So it was a natural for me to just want to become an Emic center and be able to sell and install and calibrate these ECUs. And uh, you had to go for some, you had to go for some training at, at the time. Uh, Axel was owned by Eklund Corporation up in Connecticut. That owned Napa Auto Parts. If you Eklund, they made a lot of auto auto parts, electronic parts. So anyway uh and then so i took the class i became an M- i became an emic center and then some uh so you had to you had to you had to take the class and it was a two or three day class and then you had to do a buy-in and i became an emic center so fast forward uh a little bit and i don't really remember how the segue how i segued from become being an emic to actually being their training instructor and uh and working on the as a as a contract trainer for Axel Digital Fuel Injection Eklund Corporation, which then was owned by bought by Dana Corporation, you know, like Dana rear then Dana differentials, rear ends, right? Oh, I got Dana 44 and well that was Dana Corporation. They had an engine management and an engine parts division. So anyway, that's when there was a lot of uh, that corporate rating going on in those ever in the early nineties. And somehow uh, they the people at Digital Fuel Injection uh, took a liking. I guess they took a liking to me. Uh, I, I'm laughing because I don't really know, but I guess they gleaned somehow that I had a training background. Maybe the the questions I asked or the way uh, I don't know the training background in engine management systems and and that I had a lot of knowledge on them and a oscilloscope background, what have you. So what? So they actually approached me and uh they asked me if i wanted to run their training program so i think it may have been dana corporation now um i think it was still Eklund, but whatever it's irrelevant i did it for 15 years so there was a lot of finance a lot a lot of business owner change in 15 years and especially back then did so and so what happened was that they had hired me to teach their dealer network so the emics so i would teach the emics and then they, uh, I wrote the, I wrote the training manual for them. And then later on, the training manual I took and made it into a book by uh, SA Designs, or maybe it was Cartech. I think it was SA Designs. I don't remember. Maybe it was no Cart. I don't know. Whatever. It's it says how to. It's called how to tune and win with Axel Digital Fuel Injection. You could do an internet search. The book is out of print. All right, but if you could do it, I mean, back it was back twenty years ago, twenty five years ago, but um, you could do an internet search to know that I'm not lying to you, and you'll see it come up, pictures of it come up, and you see people selling people selling old copies of it, I guess on eBay or something for like crazy money, like two hundred dollars or something. It was a twelve dollar book, but anyway, so whatever. So I I had a I was it was blessed. I had a wonderful relationship with them, and I. Uh, and then when they moved from that was the generation six ecu when they moved to gen seven i they wanted me to do teach that and get involved in that so that's basically 
what I'm leading up to. Because of my relationship with that and because I was blessed to be able to work with them for 15, it was 14 or 15 years. And, uh, but it was, I was a contractual, I would teach, I would go once a month to, to, uh, to teach a class. And then later on when Gen 7 came out, I used to go twice a month and, uh, to teach classes. And I taught classes either at Lima, Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio, or Carson City, Nevada. And then in a couple of uh, remote locations, I taught one of the classes. There was a company, which I don't know if this stone business called Year One. And they was, there. I don't want to say they made because they made nothing. It was all made in China. Uh, nice people, but there was all the Chinese sheet metal. That's when it was coming into the market. And they sold all restoration parts for GM cars. And uh, so I did this for many, many years. And I traveled a lot. I used to go to, uh, to, Carson City, Nevada. They bought it during that act. During that time, they was a lot of consolidation in the business, and uh, they bought Sig Urson cams, and then uh, I used to, and they bought Mallory ignition, and so I used to actually train do a dealer training program, an EMIC program in, at Sig Urson cams in uh, Carson City, Nevada. But so now <clears throat> that you have that little bit of background. I can move forward 22, 25 minutes. Oh my God. And the cricket's still hanging in here. So, what happened was that they were located, their headquarters, the Digital Fuel Injection Division. Because, like I said, this is Dana Corporation, huge corporate. Look, look, I mean, if you're in the car, if you're into cars or farm machinery, you know the name Dana, all right? D A N A Corporation. And, uh, but the Digital Fuel Injection Division was was uh, their office. It was office slash dino facility slash research facility. It was probably in about a, I don't know, seven or 8,000 square foot. There was a new industrial park with little buildings in it, a nice industrial park in Wixom, Michigan, W-I-X-O-M, right off of Interstate 96. And it was right across the road from the Lincoln assembly plant where they made all the Lincolns. And uh, you can get off I-96. I forgot what exit is. I just know Wixom exit. You made a right. The Lincoln plant was on the left. You went up to the first traffic light, which was actually there to stop the traffic for the people who come in and out of the Wixom plant. You made a right. You went to two, maybe a half a mile down, made another right, and DFI was there. Digital fuel injector was there. And it was a, it was a beautiful new building. They moved into a beautiful new building, but it was nondescript. It was just whatever the address, 600 ABC Street. I think whoever built those buildings, I think they named the streets after all of their, I think it was Laurie Lane or something like that, um, after their daughters. Or, so I used to end up going there probably once a month. And the reason why I went there once a month during uh, was that to to work with your engineering team, work with R and D, uh, discuss whatever new things we did. Just because I was I was wrote the manual, did the training, doing the training program, what have you. So I was very, very even. I was very, very involved and integrated in it. So what had happened was that they were in Wixom and in Farmington Hills, Michigan which was maybe about 10 or 12 miles of even that away. Uh, let's say 10 or 15 miles, I don't remember. Uh, uh, there was a Red Roof Inn, and I used to go and stay at that Red Roof Inn. There was two hotels not too far from the Lincoln plant, but they were like uh, Hilton's and Hyatt's and whatever, and the Red Roof Inn, 
that was in uh, on, off a of Grand River in Farmington Hills. I'm pretty sure it was Farmington Hills, Michigan. Uh, it was very, very nice. It was on a, uh, it was uh, fairly new or redone. It was in a good, good area, and it was a uh, a, a dead end. It was on on a dead end road. And uh, it was right off the interstate, but on a dead end road. And there was a dust, small, small industrial building, one or two, and I think of a, a tool and die shop or something. There was a storage place down the road, so it was very quiet. Uh, there was a car dealer, uh, it was a Pontiac Buick GMC dealer, quite a large dealer, right across from it, uh, or, or across this dead end road, which was just a two lane road. And, uh, and there was that there. And then there was a Denny's, a Denny's restaurant. And uh, it was wonderful because I don't, I don't even think that the Denny's was 600 feet from the Red Roof Inn. And the Red Roof Inn was a nice, pretty nice Red Roof Inn. And uh, like, so with, so let's say from the office of the Red Roof Inn, I mean, it was a little bit further if, you were, if your room was down further, but uh, at the end of the hotel, but... <coughs> motel but i think there was three buildings of motels there so i loved it because i liked the denny's i was just oh my god you like that i i loved their breakfast right so i mean these to have i used to get all them i used to get either the grand slam or the all-american slam and then um so i used to go there for their for their breakfast i used to it would literally take me two minutes to walk from my motel room so I could go there, have breakfast, and at the time, Denny's, I think, was, Denny's, I believe, was open 24 hours. So I could go there early in the morning and what have you and have breakfast, go back to the room, get ready, and then go to the facility, the engineering facility. Uh, and to be there, there was no traffic going west. At that time of day, all the traffic was going from the western suburbs of Detroit towards Detroit. And I could be there, and then in the evening, I could walk across the parking lot and, and go and get whatever. I mean, a hamburger or something. I mean, it was, uh, you're not going to get a you know, filet mignon and Denny's, but it was it was perfect for what perfect for what I did. So, and, and then there was oh, excuse me, there was a very nice restaurant also right on the right before the right across the other side of the the that pri- I don't say prior two lane road, the dead end road. It was a steakhouse. So that's what I would basically do is I would usually go to, I would go to Denny's for breakfast, and then for dinner I would go to this very nice steakhouse. And uh it was it was a very nice steakhouse and it was uh I, I, fairly priced let's put it that way i'm not the person who wants something for nothing but it was fairly priced well you, you weren't going for your lungs there and uh and what would happen is that i guess i forgot they, they had really had really good steaks but a lot of uh, because it's michigan right i mean michigan is 90 well mostly car people car guys right i mean the car companies are there so not only was it nice to go to the steakhouse right across you know 100 200 feet away from the hotel but there was historically probably almost every time every time i went there was some sort of proto i'm going to say prototype pre-production early production or engineering car in a parking lot because a lot of the engineers would go take their wives out to dinner or something and, and go there because that section of west west of detroit was a very very nice section and a lot of engineers and 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 people from the car companies all three of them at the time would live out that way so it was always it was always interesting fodder to see what someone was driving and for the most part ford was the most brazen with putting their pre-production oh i think my cricket stopped
Yeah, my cricket stuff. Pre-production, uh, early production cars out there on the road. So you always saw something. Sometimes they were camouflaged, sometimes they were not. I remember I uh, saw a Mustang that was uh, either turbocharged or supercharged before they had one. They had all the instrumentation. So it was cool. I mean, I loved it, right? I mean, I loved it. So... Uh, and so what had happened was that I'd go there, and I went there a zillion, I mean, I went, like I said, for many years, I went there once, a, you know, probably once a month, if not every six weeks sometimes, so uh, quite often. And then I come there to the, make make my hotel reservations come there. I pull into the hotel. I used to usually leave here Sunday afternoon after church, and then I would plan, then I would drive uh, in through the afternoon into evening and night, and I'd usually get there about, it was about 10 and a half hours from here from the farm. So, you know, stopping and whatever, just, I mean, I'm going like a maniac and, you know, stopping, having something to eat and then the, getting gas and going to the restroom. And I'd get to the hotel about 11 o'clock at night. So, and then the next morning I'd be at the facility. So I usually went on a Sunday and then spent a couple of business days at the facility and then came home. So I pull into, it's like 11 o'clock at night, dark right i pull in you know i said well hey, welcome to denny's all dark well the denny's went out of business they said the denny's went out of business how does the denny's go out of business whenever i went in there they were always seemed to be always seemed to be busy right and and i use this story not to this extent like in, in some of in uh I've made presentations on Commodity Classic, and I use this story in a much condensed version. Uh, and uh, the Denny's went out of business. So I said, ah, oh, what a pain in the neck, because it was so, con- I mean, I like Denny's. I love their breakfast, and it was so convenient. And if I didn't want to go for the steakhouse, I'd go to Denny's, get a hamburger and French fries or something. It was good. It was convenient. It was, it was just, it was good. It was good enough for what I was, what I was doing and uh perfect it was at a good price point because they would expense count me on everything and if you went for steak every night again oh why are you going for steak every night you know so um it was, like i said there was nothing it could not have been better and then the restaurant stayed vacant for a few years and they said i mean this, so i had to you know readdress my plans because of that and uh, and it was built as a Denny, so it was Denny's built the building. And then I come back one day, and uh, the restaurant is opened up again. And I think it was called L. George or something. I think it was called L. George, L. Period George Family Restaurant. So I said, fantastic, right? Fantastic. I said, it's open up again. How, no matter, I said to myself, how bad could it be, right? I could go back there and I could have my breakfast and it's not going to be a, a, a grand slam or all American slam that Denny's had, right? They used to like those grand slams. They're always on sale. And uh, and whatever, perfect, right? I'm back I'm back in some semblance of, of making this work, not having to get in the car and drive someplace and what have you. And uh, that area of Michigan is... is very good road networks, but it's not New Jersey, so you can't turn every place. So you have to go three, if you want to say, okay, yeah, I want to go to that restaurant, you got to go four miles, three miles down and then turn around and then come back. So it's not in New Jersey. We just make turns. You cross, cut across all traffic, no matter what. And anybody who listens, who knows the Northeast, that's the way it is. It's not just New Jersey. You want to go there? Like, they, 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 you do whatever you want. It's like the wild west of driving in the East Coast here. So I go into this place and uh, 
basically it's uh, when Denny's went out and closed it and went out of business, they left everything there. So the other, other than they took then the Denny's signage from the from the building and from inside. So everything was there, and these people, these people bought this. Well, I don't know if they bought the building or rented it. I think they may have bought the building. It's moot. But anyway, so this family, this family, opened up this this restaurant again. And I before I did this show, this episode today, I had so I, I haven't been there. For many many years, the uh, the digital fuel injection division, uh, Axel DFI uh, was closed. It, like I said, it was all this corporate stuff. It eventually closed them out of business a few number a few years ago, number of years ago, and they got bought out by another company and just the typical garbage. And so, so basically, in essence, when that happened, my contract went away, and everybody lost their job and what have you. So. So there was no reason for me to go there anymore and stay in that particular neck of the woods. I've ridden by that exit, but had never gone there subsequently for, for a number of years now. So before I did this episode, uh, I went on the internet and I looked at that Red Roof Inn. One says, is a Red Roof Inn? Yeah, the Red Roof Inn is still there. And from what I could glean from what the Red Roof Inn says, and uh, that the restaurant is still there. I think, like I said, I think it was called L, L. George. And uh, L period George and they said, "Well, the restaurant is still it's fantastic, right?" So now that restaurant is is there for quite some time because I was doing this stuff with digital fuel injection twenty years ago. So, what is the purpose of this? Well, the purpose of this, and I've used this, like I said, many times in my converse, in my seminars or what have you. And you know, when things happen in life, you have to look beyond the obvious. The obvious is, oh, Denny's closed, that stinks. <laughs> Denny's closed, right? But as a business person, all right, you need to look at things. And I'm giving you the world according to Ray. And as a person working on machinery, you need to look at things and you can't just accept it. In engineering, we call it failure analysis, right? But the interesting thing here was that Denny's, which is a major corporation, I believe that there's still in business that I did not look up, uh, still in business, a major corporation throughout the country, built this restaurant from scratch, all right, built this restaurant, and they could not make it. They went out of business, all right? They went out of business. They always, I always felt that they had a decent flow of people going through it when I was there, which was the morning for breakfast and then the evening for dinner. If I didn't go to, even if I went to the steakhouse, it was right there. I could see it. It was across the parking lot. So it wasn't, I always saw, you know, a nice flow of people in and out of there and they went out of business. And then this family, I mean, a family, not a corporation, a family buys this buys this building and opens up with the same tables and chairs the same oven the same counter the same light fixtures so you can't say oh well they came in there and Ray, they redid everything and denny's had it all and they made it fresh and they didn't know everything was exactly the same the only thing that was different was the name because i know i went there for years the same stools everything was the same the rug and denny's kept it was not old and denny's kept it very nicely and so <clears throat> these people took it over and you're saying to yourself well how can how can a family how can a family make it in a business that a large corporation had to had to cut and run right put their tail between their legs and run away it's 
close it and sell it. And even, and at that particular time, I'm going to repeat if Denny's is still in business today, but that particular time, Denny's was in business all over the place. So, but they could not make this location work. And then his family comes. And then to add, to make it even more complicated, <clears throat> or the analysis of it more complicated, was that the family that took it, took it over uh, were Armenians. Well, they were of Armenian descent. I don't think they were from Armenia because my wife is, is, is uh, 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 excuse me, what is, uh, I don't even know my, uh, I'm not Armenians, they're Albanians, excuse me, because I don't even know who my wife is. My wife is Irish and Albanian. I mean, she's American-born and her parents are American-born, but Albanian descent, all right? So, and they were Albanians, not Armenians. And they were, uh, I, uh, most of them was, was, were, first or second generation american there was an older man and woman running around with an albanian accent but anyway so and they were devout christians and they were devout christians and they would not open 24 hours they opened early in the morning they opened like 4 30 in the morning because there was you know michigan factories workers right at 4 30 in the morning i think they closed at around 11 30 at night or something but they were closed on Sundays. And it says closed on Sundays. And they had, the only thing that they changed in there was they were closed on Sundays. And it says closed on Sundays. The Lord, they had a sign made up. And, uh, uh, and it says closed on Sundays. It is the Lord's day. And these people made it. And obviously are still making it. And a major corporation could not. So as I started to say to you, is that when you look at things in business, or you look at things on your farm, which I will talk about in the Harvest the harvest podcast, when you look at things in business, you look at things mechanically, you look at, you look at your machinery, you look at your engines, your vehicles, whatever it may be, and something has happened, or some, so something is going very well, good, right? We need to study what happens when things go good, all right and that's probably not my wife would say that's not a proper setting structure that's not so so good and you have to study them when they go bad all right now i would have to say and i don't know this for facts is that i would have to say that i doubt very much if the denny's corporation did a failure analysis on why that store closed i may they they may have or they may not and the thing basically is, is that why I have the suspicion that they did not, and I don't know whether in business community, if you call it failure analysis, like you do in mechanical engineering, but uh, that I would say they probably did not. Because I guarantee you that store was floundering for a long time. And if they would have done some analysis, they would have fixed, if they could fix what made it go belly up. So, so, and then... And I doubt very much if they came back in, if somebody from Denny's Corporation came back in and said, okay, look at these guys, these, 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 these Albanians are running this thing and it's making, it's making money and staying in business and the family is working there and we, we had to cut and run, put our tail between our legs. I doubt very much if that happened knowing the corporate structure today 
in the world and people like to say well corporate america let me tell you something it's the same thing all over these multinational corporations when i worked for bmw all right corporation i mean they're all the same i don't care whether it's japanese corporations whether it's sony whether people think a lot of people think you got these foreign corporations that they're like all like the holy grail of everything they're just as bad or if not worse than american corporations but there's they're all falling to the same the, the same pot of stew all right so and i doubt very much if anybody ever did that they just because no one cared because it was not their money right and that's what happens in that business world well, i don't care i'm over here close it up and we're gonna make more so whatever so what i'm leading up to is that when my analysis and this really really intrigued me and that's why i used use it a very as i said a very condensed version of it as a segue into a into a keynote speech and uh the thing is that you, it really intrigued me. So, you know, here it is. I went to Denny's for a number of years. So I, ha- I mean, I went to that Denny's for a number of years and uh, and ate there. Never had a bad meal. All right, ate there. And then they can't make it. And these the Albanians buy it. And uh, they're, they're making it. Well, let's add some data to this. And I'm going to ask you to take this. This, this is a metaphor for what you need to do with your business or with your, with, with your machinery or what have you, all right? So, in, and so this really, really was, a pu- was puzzling to me. So since I had a lot of data, so I said, well, the, you know, the, grand, the All-American Slam Breakfast is the All-American Slam Breakfast, no matter where you go, unless the cook messes it up. And that was always good. The hamburger was the hamburger, whatever. That was always good. It was, I mean, it was good. I mean, it wasn't like you know, write home about it. it's a Denny's hamburger, but it was good. I mean, it was it was fine. I mean, I I had better and I had worse. It was more than acceptable. The pricing structure was was what I felt was fair, and what I mean about fair pricing is that so it's a fair price to the business owner, so he could turn a profit, and it's a fair price to the customer. So he's not going for his lungs on it, right? So that I felt that was fair, all right. And the place was 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 always, you know, was, I mean, I didn't have to use the bathroom right? because the hotel was right a, a couple of hundred, couple of feet away from it. So I mean, it always presented well, but there was there was something there. There was a dynamic in that Denny's. I said I went there many years, and I don't know whether it was a corporate dam- dynamic or what have you. The onus was not on me to. to to, to decide that or, or explore that uh it was it was a weird buzz <laughs> but it, it wasn't any weirder than any other than a lot of other businesses i went into it wasn't like somebody there with a corn growing out of their head it was a it was a very disconnected buzz uh you know the, the service was not the service was okay you you know nobody ever came to you and asked you know sir would you like another cup of coffee or is it every you know, I mean, there was no i don't want somebody to be hovering around me but you know i if if you need the things that you were supposed to get you'd have to ask for and then they would give it to you i said excuse me uh can you please get me a napkin and some silverware oh all right yeah so basically in essence the attitude uh the attitude of of the staff there stank all right and that was the only thing i could say was the, everything else was okay the attitude stank 
all right and uh, sometimes it's a little bit better sometimes a little bit worse but it was really not a i'm not going to say it was a bad consumer buying experience but it wasn't exemplary either and uh, yeah you say well that's danny's hot rod what do you expect the guy over there in a tuxedo i'm not expecting that i'm expecting somebody to say hello not to, not roll out the red car but it's denny's i'm expecting to to uh you know to not have to ask for a cup of water or for a refill on my coffee not have to ask for silverware so it was very 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 poorly run and I didn't. I went there often enough to see the, to, to be familiar with a lot of the faces, but I wasn't there often enough to know whether it was the same manager the whole time and whether that person put him out of business, but what have you. But now, when I went, when the when the Albanians own it owned it when you would come in it was a family business and they were i mean yeah they, they didn't roll out the red carpet their food was no better or no worse than denny's their pricing was was no better or no worse than probably about the same i mean they didn't call it a grand slam you got a plate of eggs and toast and bacon and potatoes whatever it was i mean so it was all right there but the people had a different persona about them they had a different countenance around them they had a different you know there was smiling faces hello you know well geez good you didn't weren't you here a couple of weeks ago well yeah you know and uh, i do business out here okay fine you know and this and that and it was uh you didn't have to go and ask you know do you, you know they would come the waitress would come over with a, with a pot of would you like more coffee sir you know and uh, they wouldn't have to ask for a napkin they wouldn't have to ask them to refill the they wouldn't have to it was all of those little details that made that I that made the difference. Would I still have gone there for Denny's? Of course, because I was going there because of selfish interest. Because it was it was right there, convenient for me. But the this new owner took everything, and then I could see that there was a that there was a large increase in business over Denny's. Lots of times, the parking a parking lot there was full, and they, they had a lot of regulars which I didn't, if they were regulars when it was Denny's, that I could not glean that because the way the people would, you know, you know, <laughs> it, would, it would have you and just go seat yourself. And that's basically not, oh, hey, how are you? And uh, uh, so, so basically, in essence, what, why I'm telling you this story, and we're almost an hour into the show. So the thing is that it is very, very important from my perspective for you to really really manage and if you look at a high yield farmer all right what is he basically doing he's managing his crop so it's management decisions it's man it's a management mindset it's a management thought process he's going out there, he's looking at the crop he's take, doing whatever testing maybe it's tissue testing maybe it's soil another soil test or whatever then he's managing the crop and really nurturing that crop and what denny's corporation did and you know whether it was just in that particular area or that store or what have you but I was going there long enough to know that then they had enough resources, then these corporations, that if things were going south on them, they could have changed it, which obviously probably the district manager's own manager was just as bad, it was just as bad, all right? And I have to say that it was management, and it was a trickle-down effect from management. So the thing is that what does this have to do with your machinery, your farm shop, your anything? Well, Mack Trucks had an ad, uh, 
probably about, sadly, probably close to 40 years ago, right? Which, oh my God, how fast time time slides by. And you know where people, you know, there's a saying, the devil is in the details. Well, their ad for Mack Trucks was said, the difference is in the details. And I think that the Denny's failure and a private private family taking it over and recognizing the difference was in the details all right, same building, same chairs, same counters, same same oven, same everything, right? The difference is in the details. And when we look at our equipment, when we look at our equipment, whether, well, you know, and I have all different types of listeners, all right? So the, obviously, if you found this podcast, you have an interest in farm machinery, because otherwise you can't find it. And then the thing is that, but we have interest in machinery to some level, and the thing is that, or you are in production agriculture, some level of agriculture. But if you look at it, the difference is in the details using Mack Trucks line. And what I'm going to ask you to do is to look at and look at every piece of equipment, whether you're a person who who has a job and has one or two vehicles, all right, all right, or you're a, a farmer and you have quite a large operation. I know some some of the listeners have over a hundred pieces of machinery on their farm, and I know that it's a lot of work. And I know that I'm not saying that it's easy. And usually, if you have a larger operation, you need to probably delegate that to somebody. Maybe not a full time job, but a part time part of their time. And you really have to look at your equipment and you have to look at what's going on with it and more importantly you have to not be like denny's when things start to go south on it you have a problem and machinery is going to break just like people and animals are going to get sick you're not going to say i didn't want somebody's not going to say i went i lived 100 years i never got a sore throat or well maybe you didn't get a sore throat but you got something else right so the thing is that you have to look at everything and when something goes just because, you know, just because, you know, let's pick on a tractor. Because your tractor is running along fine today. Remember we spoke about drivability earlier on in the show. Just because the tractor is running along fine today, that doesn't mean that you don't give it the same level of attention and 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 look it over and be mindful of it that, than if it has a problem. You know, the thing is that you the whole purpose of what I'm trying to tell you today to do, and hopefully I could bring it together succinctly to give it some level of, some semblance of, 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 of value for you, is that, you know, in the car industry, you should say that this this person, this person believes maintenance should be done on the back of a tow truck. Now, most everybody who listens to this show is very, very good with maintenance. Most everybody. All right, so I'm not going to say everyone because that would be that would be misleading because I'm sure everyone is not. But the whole idea is for you to see something, recognize something, see slash recognize something, acknowledge it, and then move to action on it. So, and Denny's Corporation, I'm sure that their their books, their financial statements were showing that this that this location was not doing well. All right, so that's okay, fine. We got a noise under the hood, right? Do we choose to ignore the noise, or do we choose to find out what's going on? So Denny's Corporation was saying, well, 
and I'm putting words in their mouth, but it probably is not far from the truth, is that, okay, this this location of Wixom, Michigan location, well, it was in Wixom, it was, uh, uh, what was it, Farmington Hills, I think, is not, it's not doing well, it's underperforming, right? And then, uh, so what they probably didn't, let's put a different manager in there, or I don't, I don't know what the heck they did, all right? But the thing basically is, is that when you have your machinery, you when whatever level of machinery it is, you have to be very intimate with it. You have to be very familiar with it. And you may say to me, okay, Hot Rod, you talk the talk. That's a good talk, but I got 120 pieces of machinery, right? I got I can't be intimate with it. It's like you got a you got a hundred you got you you got a small farm. I got a big farm. I got this. I got you know, so the thing is that and that is why I said is that you may need one person to delegate to it. But you cannot close your eyes and your ears to your equipment. And you cannot wait for a failure or, excuse me, or a problem to come up to try to address what's going on. Because in very rare instance in life, very rare, yes, there are times that that it's catastrophic, it comes out of nowhere. But in very rare instance in life, there is... I'm going to say a noise, a canary in a coal mine that is singing. And it may not be a noise, I'm just saying, but there's some telltale sign of something, all right? And it's even with your own health, right? You, 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 and and you're, you ignore it and you kick the can down the road because right now this engine is running fine, all right? It's making a little bit of noise or it's doing this or it's doing that or it's hard starting or whatever. But right now, hey, I got it to start and I accomplished what I wanted to do. All right now i'm not saying at that particular point you abort everything and say well this thing is a little bit hard to start there okay i can't take you you know, i can't i can't take you to the hospital for that operation you know, no i'm not saying that whatsoever i mean everything has to be done within reason but you can't be denny's and close your eyes and close your ears and close all your data off and just keep going kicking the can down the road like the federal government does with the debt ceiling let's just raise the debt ceiling oh my god we're gonna go we're not gonna pay people pay the welfare people we're gonna raise the debt ceiling ah i mean in the past years how many years have they, how many times have they raised the debt ceiling and there's no end to it right so you just can't be kicking so the car the tractor's running good today the combine is running oh the bearing is making noise all right so oh, the heck with it all right so now if you say well the bearing is making noise and i have 20 more acres to, to do or 200 more acres and you say your prayer and say god willing it doesn't sound like it's that bad i could still get to it then you don't put the header back in the shed and forget about it and then go next harvest oh the bearing oh, i forgot that bearing is making noise all right and it is very essential for you to do failure analysis and i'm going to use and when something does break or something does wear and if something um, i'm using making noise it could be an engine that's using oil it could be it could be many different things all right and you could say to yourself but noise is is is, is something that i'm, I'm going to use because it's it's easy for me to to uh to mimic a noise on the radio right on the podcast so something and the belt is going that way right on the engine it's making noise at every revolution and that how would it the alternator still work and everything is still working right so the thing is that um that if you ignore that if you ignore anything anything like that it is eventually going to come back and bite you 
and it's gonna and so you and if it is making noise then what you have to do is that i'm saying metaphorically noise you have to stop and you have to look back and say okay what happened i'm not saying that this consumes your life all right this belt is making noise let's look at the belt but what happened oh the belt is old and dried out when i look at my records when they change the spell over and change the spell for three thousand hours okay that's that's the thing right that's natural aging like years ago they used to put on a person's death certificate i don't know if they do that anymore today put covid right so you get paid no matter what the guy the guy died in a motorcycle accident covid but anyway uh they used to put like with my grandmother and my grandparents they used to put the doctor died of old age right stuff dies of old age right i mean the stuff wears out body wears out people wear out animals wear out the soil wears out if you don't take care of it so the thing basically is is that you have to identify what's going on and i'm going to come back to denny's again if they would have done a proper analysis of that with the true intent of fixing it all right and then and went in there and and mystery shopped the place and you and if you're not familiar with the term mystery shop is where somebody today they call they made the tv show undercover boss right so the thing basically is but they have people that are paid mystery shoppers they go someplace they go to a store they go to a restaurant and they get paid to go there and eat or buy something and then uh and then they give a report and you know how the service was how this was what their analysis of it was but the thing basically is is that if they would have mystery shopped that to some particular level and and the things and saw what was going on and had their eyes and ears open because you could mystery shop and you know when i worked for bmw we had a test driver frank god rest his soul he passed away but uh nice guy nice guy but absolutely useless all right he was not an engineer they had they he, he was just a driver they had him run mileage that's all he wasn't wasn't an engineer he didn't give, give any analysis so they sent them they would send them out and just run mileage on these test cars and and you, he was supposed to give feedback on it to the, his level of education or knowledge and you know you know and and it didn't have to be engineering feedback oh when i step on a brake it vibrates right i mean so whatever it just had to be some general feedback on it right what is it doing wrong and the wheels could have been falling off the car and then frank as long as frank got back to the facility with the car and it wasn't on the back of a flatbed he thought it was fantastic so frank was good for as far as mileage accumulation was concerned but rendered no feedback positive or negative whatsoever because if he got back to the facility and didn't have to walk back he thought that this was wonderful right so the thing is that you need to look at that with every aspect of your business your life your farm things usually do i mean there's catastrophic things where a person feels fine and they get a heart attack and they die right so the thing is that but yeah there are those catastrophic things i mean and i'm not going to say because i'm not one who goes to a doctor so i I can't you know can't throw stones at that but anyway but it's so important for you to do that and i'm repeating that because if you don't what's going to happen is that that piece of machinery is going to choose to give you a problem or breakdown or give you a hard time or really mess up your day or your schedule when it wants to not when you want it to 
when it wants to. If the bearing is starting to go bad in the header of the combine, right, then the thing basically is is that, and you ignore that, it's gonna not going to fail sitting in the shed in the wintertime. It's going to fail when you're trying to get your crop in. All right, and if you know that that bearing is going bad, and during the summertime before harvest, you rip it apart and change that bearing, well, now you've actually flip-flopped the playing field. Instead of the bearing having having the upper edge on you, cause ha ha ha, I'm gonna fail just when he's got to get that last field in, and it's supposed to snow, so I'm gonna fail now, ha ha ha. Obviously, the bearing's not saying that, but sometimes you think mechanical things say that, right? Oh, I'm gonna get break down right now, right now. I'm gonna break down right now. He's got to go to the doctor. He's got to go to. He's got to go important appointment. Let's break down this morning, right? So the thing is that uh, when you flip. And you and you flip it around and you and you're saying to the machine, no, 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 I'm going to take care of you on my schedule versus your schedule of breaking down. I forgot I shouldn't. I guess the boiler clicked on. I apologize. For that. I, I usually shut it off. Uh, we only use it obviously this time of year to make hot water. So you're going to hear that, and I'm, and I'm quite sorry. But you know, people have said to me, well, your cars, your machine, and over the years, many lay people have said that to me. And what I mean by a lay person is someone who is not in the industry, all right, in that community. So yes, I mean, so if you, so the person could have a be a doctor, be a brain surgeon, but when it comes to to something else, he's a lay person. He doesn't have an education or knowledge about something. So what happened over the over many years? Lay people say to me, "Well, this, you know, this, you know, your cars last so long, your machine lasts so long because you're a mechanic." And I say to him, that has nothing to do with it because I'm a mechanic. Because I'm a mechanic, for me to exercise my mechanical skills means that the sucker broke down and I got to fix it. The whole idea is for you to exercise an observatory skills and to be aware of things so it does not get to the point of breaking down. All right? And obviously that starts with something doing doing service intervals, doing what have you, not pushing those and, and you know so I don't I don't need to waste your time listening for me to go through a litany of different service intervals here. But so many times I see it, and I spoke about this before in the show, probably not even that long ago, is that that there are people who actually uh, I don't want to say abuse but almost look for bragging rights. Go, I haven't changed all that thing and, you know, for 20 years, and it still runs good. You know, that hot rod father can go to hell when he tells you. You know what I'm saying? And the thing is that uh, and, you know, and <laughs> people brag about how they neglected something and it's still serving them well, right? And maybe that is, I'm not going to say it is not the case of it, I mean, uh, but but that's not smart business because eventually it is going to break down and when it breaks down it may break down to the effect where it's useless now and you have to buy a whole new one right with a new engine new tractor new car what have you all right but the take-home message here is do not be denny's when it comes to any aspect of your life your farm this is farm machinery digest so we're going to basically talk about that do not be a denny's I want you to pay attention to what's going on. 
I, and you know you really have to be on top of everything and I know it's hard and that's why you really want to be on top of everything because if you're on top of everything and I'll make it analogous to let's say like paying a bill let's say you get a credit card bill right and you're always on top of paying your bills and you pay your let's say you get your credit card bill and you pay it the same day well you have 20 days or 30 days or whatever it is to pay it 15 days or as long as you're and much to my chagrin I found out from a credit well I'm a friend I I found I found how I found that. I think a friend of mine was uh, in that business or somebody I knew. And to the credit card companies, and as far as your credit score, and this is what they told me: it makes no difference whether you pay it right the same day or the day before it's due, because their attitude is it says paid on time. So there's no kudos to you for paying it Im- immediately or paying it right as long as it's paid within that time schedule. So the thing is that, you know, the fact of the matter is if you are the type of person that pays, making a metaphor to a credit card, that you pay your credit card bill the day it comes and you have 15 more days, well, maybe you're sick this week or something happens the next month and you're going to pay it later. So the thing basically, but that's fine. You're still paying on time. So if you're building even though you think that you were building equity, all right, you're really not building any goodwill equity, uh, maybe to a certain extent a little bit, but if you take care of your machinery properly, if you take care of any noise or any problem or something, when mechanical stuff does something differently, differently, and then you want to try to replicate that that difference coming up, you don't want to say, oh, it was an anomaly, whatever, the engine ran, the engine ran rough, or you don't go nuts, start ripping it apart. But if it historically does, and it has two or three times where it repeats that in some scenario, then you need to look at what scenario is causing that, and you can't ignore it. So I'm babbling on here. The take-home message, once more, my famous words are all repeated again. Don't be Denny's, and don't let things get out of the control all right, to such an extent that your piece of equipment or your car or whatever it may be, it now needs to have either major investment in it or needs to be replaced because you ignored things because you would hate to have something like that where that you're the, you're, you're the big farm, right? You're the big operation. You got all this stuff, right? And and and, and uh, this thing and, and this thing is no good. And then the little family buys it and they turn around and make it into something like that family did with that restaurant. So I want to thank you so much for listening. Uh, Digest what I said here, please. It wasn't right in your face, but digest what I said here, please, and think about it, and, and please apply it to every aspect of your life because most things don't go right overnight, and most things don't go wrong overnight with mechanical things, with your life, with your health, with your farm, with your soil structure, with your animals, all right? Rare instances do they go right or wrong overnight. It's usually that we tend to ignore what we're seeing and we also don't, and then and we also need to study our successes just as much as we study our failures so you could replicate the success and not make the failure over again. So I want to thank you so much for listening. You have a blessed week. I'll catch you next week with those little short shows, and I appreciate all of you for listening and for hanging in here with this guy from Hackettstown, Cat Swamp Road. Have a blessed day. Be well. Thank you. Bye-bye.